and broadcasting stations. It's time to get up and get your day started. Morant. Oh! A jawbreaker! It's Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The first hour of Sports 56 Mornings is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Now, here are your hosts, Greg and Eli. Greetings and salutations on this Thursday morning. The calm before the storm weather-wise. We'll tell you about that in a second. But boy, it has been an absolute storm. A hurricane in some regards when it comes to breaking news, especially from the football world. And we are here to talk about that. The Tigers escaped last night once again in a tight one in conference play. This time in overtime, more chaos in college basketball around the country as seeds continue to lose. More news involving Memphis Tigers football and their coaching staff. On and on and on, and we're here to talk about it over the course of the next three hours. We welcome you in to Sports 56 Mornings on this Thursday, January 11th, 2024. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. Their floor model sale continues at 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. First hour of the program, also brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware. As I said, the calm before the storm. Sunny today, a high of 62. As cold as it's been, it'll feel like it's 90 out there today, but Tonight, here come the showers, the second round of rain, steady rain overnight, low dropping to 52, rainfall a quarter of an inch, and then tomorrow, a steady rain early, showers, perhaps a rumble of thunder. We're looking at a high tomorrow of 58, so again, temperature-wise, still not too bad, and then the forecast gets nasty starting on Sunday with a snowstorm possible overnight into Monday, holiday Monday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And, of course, the big day at FedEx Forum. And, again, the weather. Uh, Hopefully, Mother Nature will change her thoughts and cooperate a little bit, but it does not look good. I mentioned some of the stories. The Grizzlies also in the news making some roster moves yesterday as they get set for three home games in four days starting tomorrow with the Los Angeles Clippers. Also on the program today, Hudson Hollenbeck, who is a local prep product who's now playing college ball at the University of Michigan. He was a kicker for Collierville, a punter as well. He's the uh, backup punter and kicker at the University of Michigan and was obviously there with his team on the sidelines to watch them win the Natty on Monday night against Washington. Uh, So we're going to talk to Hudson. He'll be joining us from Ann Arbor at 8.05. At 8.25, our buddy Dane Bradshaw former Tennessee Vols standout, White Station High School star, and an SEC Network basketball analyst. Uh, His thoughts on everything that's going on in the SEC, which included chaos last night, his Tennessee Vols going down to Mississippi State, just to name one of the results. And then at 9.05, the Tigers, Parth Upajai, Memphis Tigers basketball beat writer for the Daily Memphian, he will join us to talk about the Tigers, once again, their Houdini act. We'll take your calls and your texts on the Sports 56 listener lines at 901-360-8255. You can hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and on the website, sportsmemphis.com. It has been nuts, has it not? Yeah. 
Well, we'll, we'll hear from the voice of God, Eli Savoy, coming up in just a second, <laughs> doing the dual role, role this morning. But, ah, oh, man, you, you, can't, you can't go to sleep. I mean, I get up this morning at 5.30, for goodness sakes, take a shower, and there's the Belichick news. So if you have not heard yet, it will be made official. I think it's a noon Eastern press conference. Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft will address the media. The GOAT of NFL coaches, holder of six Super Bowl championships, 24 seasons with the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick. And again, this one's not a shocker, but Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, a mutual parting of the ways. Now, Belichick, unlike Nick Saban, the news from yesterday, has not announced he's retiring. We'll see what he has to say, but most people believe that he'll still continue to coach, and there's a lot of interesting openings out there. But yesterday afternoon, it was all about Nick Saban, seven national titles, six with the Alabama Crimson Tide. You talk about a dynasty, seven natties in 17 seasons. So, Eli, the GOAT, and again, it's I guess you could argue this, but most people believe the GOAT in college football coaching and the GOAT in NFL coaching are both out of jobs. Saban retiring, Belichick mutually parting of the ways with Robert Kraft and the Patriots. Just crazy huge football news. Yeah, obviously, you know, the the Belichick, the writing was on the wall. Um said all along that it was going to happen. There was way too much smoke um, for there not to be. And I just don't think Bill Belichick wants to be around for a rebuild um, at this point. And, you know, he certainly could see him going somewhere else, whether it's next season or maybe takes a year off or whatever, but it's it all likelihood going to be a place where a team is built to win right now and wants to bring him in. Saban, there's been a lot of, there, there's been, I know some people who have been adamant that he would this would happen this year. Um, there's been a lot of conversation, a lot of you know, whispers out there of, you know, because we, we've just seen so many of the um, the old guard or the, the old time coaches, I guess, who have been around a long time who just don't like the current situation in college sports with the transfer portal, uh, namely as the biggest issue of everything. And so many of them have gotten out and... You know, a lot of people that kept saying that, that it would that Saban, they thought this would be it for Saban. And so um, he makes that decision. And, you know, if, if you think about it, if if Jim Harbaugh does end up going to the NFL, which many people believe will happen, suddenly here in the you know, middle of January, you could have two of the biggest programs, two of the best programs in America changing coaches, um, which would be pretty crazy. And... The one thing about Saban, and obviously Nick Saban, dude, is he's can he can do whatever he wants to do. I would just like to know what the recruits who signed in the early period were told, if anything, and I assume they were probably not told anything. I, it, to me, unless somehow, I don't know, the way the playoff happened or whatever changed his mind. Like, if you knew you were going to do this, I, I just don't like the idea of 
signing all these recruits in the early signing period and then less than a month later, oh, by the way, yeah, I know you signed to play for me. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to be there. Yeah, it's a good point. I'm not sure when he finally came to this decision with his wife that he was going to step down and retire. Now, the players have, I was told, 30 days to make a decision on whether or not to fulfill their commitment to Alabama or to go elsewhere to start looking around uh, because of this sudden change with the coaching staff. But, yeah, it affects a lot of people, a lot more than just Nick. But that is Nick's prerogative. He has earned that. He has won with different quarterbacks and different players. Six titles in 17 years is just crazy. And, again, seven national titles altogether with the win at LSU. He gave the NFL a try a little bit. Not not real successful, but an amazing career. And Nick Saban, to me, and I don't think there's an argument now. Maybe some of the old school people that still think, well, you know, the Bears still the, the greatest. And it's ironic that it was both Alabama coaches, but the Bear was surpassed. And, and Nick Saban is the GOAT. He's 72 years of age. And... College football is lo- – it, it's a big void. I'm sorry. College football will go on. We'll love college football. I understand that. But it's a void. Nick Saban was a integral part of the college pigskin game. Bill Belichick is 71. He's one year younger than Saban. But Belichick, again, unless he says something different in the presser today, not ready to step away from the game. Now, there are some that will argue, well – was Belichick and his greatness made because of Tom Brady? Or was it vice versa? Or was it mutual? Look, every player that I've heard already, already this morning, driving in, two, three different Patriots on national radio talking about how there's no question he's the GOAT, the mastermind behind the dynasty that is the Patriots. And I will take their word for it. So, again, Belichick, and there's 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 a couple of others that are certainly up there near the top, of all-time greats from Don Shula to Vince Lombardi, on and on. But Belichick is the one that's looked at as the GOAT. So you look at these two coaches, six Super Bowls, seven natties, 13, 13 combined national championships or Super Bowl championships between those two GOATs. And how big these names are, it's kind of dwarfed the Pete Carroll news. And Pete Carroll, ladies and gentlemen, is one of three coaches in the history of the game to have won a national championship and a Super Bowl, along with Jimmy Johnson and Barry Switzer. And Pete Carroll is now an afterthought. And don't even get me started with Mike Vrabel, one of the biggest names in college in, in NFL coaching today, who was let go a couple of days ago by the Titans. That news seemed like it was three months ago. It is absolutely bonkers right now. Yeah, the Pete Carroll one, that was the one that really, like, I, I did not see that coming at all. Um, you know, with the, the job he did last season uh, when Geno Smith first came in and they uh, the year they had this year, you know, they didn't make the playoffs but competed for a playoff spot most of the way. That one, um, I just, uh, that one. That they had one, a winning record this that, season. That one, like, took me, that of, but the Belichick didn't surprise me at all. I thought Belichick would happen. Right, right. Saban didn't know. Didn't know for sure it happened this year, but again, there's a lot of people that have thought this would happen. So I wasn't well, like, eventually it was going to happen. I wasn't like blown away like that mm-hmm. this happened. I thought that there was a certainly a possibility. So but Pete Carroll, I did I I had no 
thought whatsoever that Seattle would be making a coaching change because he certainly wants to do it, continues to want to do it, and was, in my opinion, doing a pretty darn good job with that Seahawks roster. So I just, I did not, that's the one that just took me completely by surprise. Well, first of all, Pete Carroll acts like he's 40, right? He doesn't act his age. He's in, he's in amazing shape. He's spry and all. But they had a winning record. Of all the firings that have taken place in the NFL this season, Seattle's the only team that had a winning record, and they let him go. Now he's going to stick on as an advisor, unless maybe a team comes after Pete Carroll. But again, the Carroll news to me was a big surprise, like you said. I still think the Saban news is jarring, because you know eventually he was going to retire. But every time we would ask people that have been on the show, John Tauti, who covers Alabama down in Tuscaloosa, you know, maybe four or five years, and I don't want to put words in his mouth. I forgot what he had said the last time we talked to him about that. Nobody expected it to be at the end of this year. But the frustration of where college football is now with NIL and the transfer portal, it's going to be taxing. And you don't want to go out the way, let's be honest, but the bear went out. He retired. He died a month later. I mean, you want to you want to hopefully go out, you have your lovely wife, you have family, enjoy life a little bit for goodness sakes, right? You don't want to be on a slab one month after you retire. And, and Saban doesn't seem to be that type of, of person. In fact, all the commercials he's done with Prime, Coach Prime, and he, he seems like he's he's more out there and doing things like that. So it's it's a void. It's a loss. Now, as far as replacements are concerned, the name, now a lot of names have popped up for the Patriots job already, a lot of names for the Alabama job. Let me let me start with New England because I think it's down, I think it's two guys. It's either Mike Vrabel or Gerard Mayo. I, I think that is it. I heard Charlie Weiss on national radio, former offensive coordinator for the Patriots, former coach at Notre Dame. He said it is those two guys, and that is it. Uh, Mayo, of course, on the current squad as a coach, and Vrabel, a former star player, most recently a head coach with the Titans. I, I can't imagine they're going to go outside the family, but you never know what Bob Kraft might do. As far as Alabama, a lot of names. But the one name that people keep circling back to is Dan Lanning. Yeah, he is the uh, the betting favorite, um, if you look at places that put odds on this stuff. But... Um, certainly, I mean, with, with the Alabama job, all of the big names will be mentioned. Now it is a, it, it's a difficult task to go replace huh. Nick Saban, obviously, and try and, um, live up to what the expectations are now, uh, for that program. And, but yeah, I mean, guys who have been there with him, certainly who have had great success, you know, they, Dan Lanning's, the Lane Kiffin's, Steve Sarkeesian's, what go on, on down the list, whatever. Um, certainly all those days, you know, whether they, you know, what direction they go, I, I don't know. Uh, obviously, while it is hard, it's virtually impossible to continue what he, the, the level he had it at. Um, it's also very attractive. I mean, you're, you're taking over one of the most successful, best programs there is in America, um, and 
in a 12-team playoff, certainly you have a great chance. Like you're making, that the program is making the 14 playoff pretty much every year. Certainly in a 12-team playoff, you expect that you could make it just pretty much every year. But um, but yeah, it'll be it, it'll be interesting to see who's willing to be that guy to follow the guy. I can't wait to um, to read the Texas and Oklahoma message board saying we scared Saban. We're coming into the conference. We scared Saban. He had to leave. But in in reality here, you have um, the biggest shoes to fill in both positions at Alabama and with the New England Patriots. Now, from the video I watched last night of the chants going on on campus, apparently they're fine with anybody with the exception of Dabo Sweeney, whose name had come up in the past as a possible replacement. I don't think Dabo... He's going to be offered the job. I don't think Dabo's going anywhere. Steve Sarkeesian, I think he's staying at Texas. I don't think he leaves for one second. I think he he's set with Texas. Mike Norvell's name has popped up. You know, that's an interesting name as well. But and and, and of course, Lane Kiffin's name comes up. Lane Kiffin has got it made right now at Ole Miss. I I don't think he would go, even though it's an incredibly attractive gig, like you said. But you have to follow in the footsteps of the GOAT. I think Dan Lanning of Oregon makes the most sense. But, again, we are not uh, privy to that inside information, which direction Greg Byrne will go. Uh, It's going to be fun, though, to see what happens there. And, again, in New England, I I can't imagine it'll go beyond Vrabel or Mayo. But, again, this is shocking to some people, some maybe not so much. We knew it was eventually going to happen for Saban. Belichick, the rumblings were happening for the last couple of months, so we knew that it was coming to a head with the Patriots. But the two goats in football, college and the NFL, done at their respective program slash organizations, and Nick Saban riding off into the sunset with seven national championships, six at Alabama. Scotty on Twitter uh, mentions Ryan Williams, the number three wide receiver in the country, already decommitted. Yep, five star. He, he did not sign in the early period. He is uh, so he is still on sign, but yeah, he has decommitted um, and talked about Texas and Texas A and M and Auburn and, and understandable possibilities, right? For him, understandable. Uh, but who knows? Maybe he jumps back into the fray. But does this mean now that you have to act real quick? Right? You can't linger with your coaching decision on who replaces the GOAT because you have these players in limbo. Yeah, the dead period ends on Friday. Um, so there's anything, any of those guys out there, it certainly, um, you know, Friday, there's con- contact can start being made again and there will be a lot of contact being made, I'm sure, to Alabama guys. Uh, Keith says, I'm 63 years old. I remember when Bear Bryant retired, everybody thought they would just reload. Alabama is in for a long haul it, after, or after this, it will not be the same. Yeah, I, I mean, again, it's it's hard to maintain what Saban has done. Mm-hmm. But if they go hire a good coach, they certainly have that. I don't know what Alabama's situation is with NIL and all of that stuff, how they compare to other top programs. I assume they've got good NIL situation. We know Dick Saban you know, had all the stuff complaining about Jimbo and all of that great stuff out there. Um, but if they go hire a good coach... Certainly, you're taking. I mean, it's a talent laden roster right now. Like you, they just signed. I think in the early signing period, they were were they number two, I believe it was. Like you know, you're taking over. You've got a quarterback 
and Jalen Milrow, who is going to be one of the favorites for the Heisman Trophy coming in. Like you're taking over and. It, a great roster. If you go get one of these coaches who has shown the ability to recruit at a really high level, they're certainly going to recruit at a really high level at Alabama. So um, it's all about getting the right guy. But no, there's no guarantees when you lose a guy like Nick Saban that it's just going to be you know, status quo and we're going to keep on winning at this level. They went through a lot of years where they struggled. Um, and so they finally got to Nick Saban and now and then he was able to, to, to put that program back to where um, it is right now. They're in Alabama to play for Nick Saban. They're not in Alabama to play because they get a helmet with a number on it. They're there to play for Nick Saban. And yes, this next hiring will mean everything if you're going to continue. The dynasty is done. Teams have caught Alabama. Look at what Georgia has done. Right now, you would say that Georgia, even though they didn't win it all this year, is the top dog, pun intended, having won two of the last three. And you look around the country at other programs that have either been there and done that before or are on the brink. Alabama, yes, there was one bear. We thought there was only one bear, Brian, but then Nick Saban came along years later. Gene Stallings was in between. Gene Stallings was a very good coach, but then they had the debacle. And I'm not sure the order of this all happening, but the Shula, DeBose thing, and uh, missing somebody else. Uh, who was the coach they hired in the resume scandal? Didn't they have the? Didn't they have a guy who had the the fake resume? That was George O'Leary at Notre Dame. Oh, that was okay. That was O'Leary. Wasn't there another guy who had issues? Debose had the issues. Mike Price. Uh, Price. There you go. Thank club. you. Thank you. It was Mike Price. So again, they you, you, you can miss right, and if you can miss it, it it will kill you for several years, uh, and then you're going to be on the um, outside looking in of being back to. Alabama, but if you get the right guy to continue this, nobody's going to be able to fill the shoes of Nick Saban. You're not going to see somebody walk in here, in my opinion, I don't care if it's at Alabama or anywhere, to win six national titles in 17 years. Not with the competition that's going on in the country. Not with the parity because of the portal and because of NIL. But you just want to be able to continue the tradition of being one of the top dogs where you can win a national championship each and every year. If you make the wrong hire... You can drop off the map for several years. We saw that happen at Alabama. It's possible anywhere to take a major step backwards. The um, another thing, if if they go get Dan Lanning, like I think Dan Lanning would go in there and do a great job. If they went and got Mike Norvell, I think Mike Norvell would go there and do a great job. Like I don't, it's it, it you know, you got to make the right hire, and certainly it you know with where they are, that probably gives them the opportunity to go hire proven head coaches um, at other big-time programs. But but who knows? Those guys could very well be, I don't want to be the guy to replace that guy. Like, it's that is a that's asking a lot. And I'm in a great spot right now at a great place where I could be very successful. Obviously, Mike Norvell, a little different situation because even going undefeated is not good enough. Um, so I don't know. But it's, um, yeah, it, how quickly they're able to move on this, get it done. You know, what did... Um, what did they know? Like, is this something that they knew was coming from Nick Saban? So they've kind of been ready for this and can move very quickly. Um, those those things certainly have to be answered. And but yeah, it's it's 
you know, we've, we've talked for years about who will be that guy to replace Nick Saban. For years, it was always thought it would be Dabo. But now that Clemson's kind of dropped off a little bit, he goes down and you look at the next guy. And Dan Lanning is that next guy who's got ties to Alabama but and has his team, you know, as a school that's really, really good, even though they didn't make the playoffs, but looked at as one of those really hot, young, rising coaches out there. And certainly, I think he is. I think he's a great dude. Um and I think he's a great coach and would have a lot of success at Alabama, but he will also continue to have a lot of success at Oregon in all likelihood if he stays at Oregon because it's a pretty darn good job. Yeah, you typically want to be the one who replaces the one who replaces the guy. But in this case, you got a chance to be the head coach at Alabama. A guy like Dan Lanning with his connections. Dan Lanning once a part of Mike Norvell's staff mm-hmm. at the University of Memphis, so some local ties. But you do it, don't you? You do it. If you're Dan Lanning, you do it. I think Sark is a different story if, if they're after him. I, I think, and again, I don't know the guy from Adam. I think he would stay at Texas. Texas is going into the SEC. He's established himself. They were a playoff team. I, I don't think they're going in the Dabo direction. I could be wrong. Uh, Mike Norvell, interesting. But I, I, I think it's Lanning and then everybody else. But uh, we will see here in the coming days. More information again on the Belichick news, which is not official official, but has been reported by a million different outlets. And again, I believe it's a noon Eastern presser in Foxborough with Robert Kraft speaking and with Bill Belichick. Texter says, apparently if your name is Mike, you have a good chance to work at Alabama. Shula, Price, DuBose. Norvell would be a great hire for them. They might be soured on Mike's though. If you're, if you look at that list, that's not. They might say, "We are not hiring another Mike." Mike's are bad at Alabama. If that's your three comparisons, no, they probably want to go a different route, like a Nick, a Nick Sirianni. Get a Nick. Uh, you've done all right with Nick. Okay. Uh, Doug says, if a coach leaves, the players have thirty days to enter the transfer. Yes. Again, I understand all that, but you're still recruiting. If he knew he was retiring, I still don't like re- recruiting kids, telling them they're going to play for you, basically, when you know they're not. Because those kids, there's other schools that were recruiting them, and those kids sign with Alabama, they go sign somebody else, and so these kids may not be able to go to the other place that they wanted to go. Again, I. They can do whatever they want. And this is the way of sports and college football, all of that good stuff. It is what it is. I'm it, I I get it, but it's just it's a little it's just a little weird. And that's the part of the problem with the clock with that early signing period, is that you get those where kids sign for a coach who could still very well leave after they sign. Well, I, I couldn't tell you. We don't know. We're not privy to that information. If if Saban in the back of his mind knew that this was the year he was stepping away, or was he soured by something just in the last uh, 30 days? Was it something that happened here recently? Uh, hopefully, you know, health-wise, everything is good. But, yeah, it, it, maybe he'll talk about it. Maybe he won't talk about it. But it's it's a tough deal for recruits um, across the board when it comes to a coach leaving. But, again, in this day and age, now finally the players are, are getting – what they deserve, a chance to make money off their name, image, and likeness, a chance to transfer multiple times without penalty, getting the year back from COVID. There's a lot of advantages now for the student athlete that there was not before. So these guys, as the texter said, and I said earlier, you know, 30 days to make their decision, see who the new coach is, talk to that new coach, and decide whether or not they want to stay at Alabama. Well, folks, one of the great places around the area for wings, and we're known for our hot wings, is the Crazy Coop. I think they're the best around. And why are they so good? Because of those 27 different seasonings that they put 
on their hot wings. They're whole wings. They're in their party wings, the boneless wings, big, delicious chicken tenders. Get the crazy packs while you're there and take advantage of that delicious, delicious, crazy coop seasonings. Everything from a Buffalo Ranch uh, seasoning. Well, it's actually called, yeah, a, uh, yeah, it's a Buffalo Ranch seasoning, but it's a combination of ranch seasoning with a little kick to it. So it's got a little kick. The mango habaneros, the sweet taste of mango, that's followed by the heat. A lot of these have the heat. If you want to go really hot, the crazy sweet lemon pepper hot, the crazy suicide, it's in the name right there. Yeah, if you want to go a little bit less heat like I do, the four cheese roasted garlic of the barbecue bacon bourbon is the way to go. They are located at 7199 Highway 64 between Appling and Kirby Witten, and they have the Crazy Coop Express at 1315 Ridgeway off Poplar. They will also cater events, so ask about their catering services. Uh, they are open seven days a week from 11 a.m. until 9 p.m. You can order up and have uh, any of the delivery services. Bring that delicious uh, food to your work or home, or you can just order online and pick up yourself. they got the full menu at the Bartlett location. That includes catfish sandwiches, juicy half-pound burgers, all the great sides like the green tomatoes, the fried okra, the fried dill pickles. You've tried the rest. Try the best. The Crazy Coop, 7199 Highway 64 between Appling and Kirby Witten and the Crazy Coop Express at 1315 Ridgeway off Poplar. When we come back, the Tigers escape again last night. Another Houdini act. We'll talk about that when we return. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin, for Wolo and Friends. Weekday mornings from 10 to 11, here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. I got a little change in my pocket going jingle. I tried to warn people yesterday about UTSA. Came in at 7 and 8. Horrible net. Better than what... That would indicate, but there's no way that Memphis should have had to go to overtime to win this game. But that is the way it has been for Memphis. They have upped their game when they've played the better teams. They unfortunately have also played to the level of competition that's really inferior to them. So when I saw a 19 and a half point spread yesterday, I was just shaking my head going, Memphis does not blow out teams. And yes, that will hurt them in the net. But the bottom line is, is this team knows how to win. They know how to make clutch shots. They know how to make good stops, great stops down the stretch. And they are playing with fire, and they're eventually going to get burned. And they'll have a tough one on Sunday at Wichita State, but they escaped last night. They beat UTSA in overtime 107-101 in a high-scoring affair for Memphis's ninth consecutive win. They improved to 14-2, 3-0 in conference play, but again, another close shave. Yeah, I didn't see them giving up uh, 101 points to UTSA in that, but um, I it's it's bizarre um, the way they struggle um, with these teams, and even on on the road. Okay. Like I'll, I'll, I get that. Like it's hard. Like it, it, you, you can look around. And so I mentioned yesterday, 
the teams that were going on the road last night, high ranked teams, and we saw a couple more fall. Like it's going on the road. It's it, it's difficult. You get into these places and it's everything for that team to try and beat you, especially when you're a top five, top 10 team. But at home, I just don't see why, how they're struggling like this at home against a team like UTSA. It just doesn't make sense. Well, I can tell you this. Penny is one frustrated dude. I, I know people saw that in the post-game press conference, the media that were there. I had a chance to talk to him in his office before the game. Um, also had been to a practice, and you could just see it in his face but hear it in his voice that they are doing everything they can in practice to get these guys ready to make sure that they understand no matter who you play, you have to play your game. It's about you. Well, for whatever reason, they continue to get off the slow starts. I give UTSA a lot of credit. That's a three-point shooting team. They made 17 of them. They went 17 of 45. Memphis did a horrendous job in guarding the perimeter. Their communication is awful. I listened to Nicholas Jourdain, his post-game interview with Wolo while I was driving home after broadcasting the game on ESPN+. And he's a very intelligent guy, and he broke it down. He's very analytical and talked about the lack of communication as they're switching and not guarding the perimeter. They know who the three-point shooters are. That is all established in the pregame leading up to that opponent, and yet they still don't recognize. And that's why I give UTSA a lot of credit. You look at the final statistics, Memphis out-rebounded them by nine. They were the better shooting team percentage-wise. Memphis hit 11 of 23 threes. You'll take that any day of the week. That's 47.8%. They turned the ball over only nine times. Now, they only forced eight turnovers, but the difference and why this game was as close as it was and that UTSA had a great chance to come away with a dub was the perimeter defense. That's the only thing I could think of because everything else, if you look at the numbers, favors Memphis. Well, yeah, and this talk about it over and over and over again. I mean, that's the one equalizer is that three-point line. Um, and if you make six more threes than your opponent, um, if you can make 17 threes in a game, like UTSA did, if you don't turn the ball over um, like they did not, it, it certainly is going to give you that opportunity. That's you know that's how, if, if UTSA is going to beat teams, it's probably going to be because they make a bunch of threes on a given ga- in any given game because um, defensively they're awful. They have been awful all year, and they were awful last night. I mean, they they, they don't stop anybody, so they're they're just going to continue to shoot a bunch of threes, hope that they make a bunch of those threes, and probably will have a, other games along the way where they make a bunch of threes and probably beat some teams that they shouldn't beat. Um, I'll bet I, you this. I'll bet you this. They will not finish dead last in the conference. They were picked 14th out of 14 teams. There's no way every team in that league is better than that team. But, as, I mean, the Tigers are a 19.5-point favorite for a reason. Right, going to overtime as a nineteen and a half point favorite, and it is it is funny. I don't. Uh, I think John Varlis, our buddy, tweeted about it last night. It's weird that since Naquan Tomlin came to the team, is when they've had all of these close games against these inferior opponents. Like he, he certainly, you think he makes the team better? Right? He's a good player, and he's he's done well. But as soon as he came, interesting, they had all of they've he, the the Vanderbilt game was the first game, and they've had all these close games against inferior opponents since Tomlin was added to the team. That's wild stuff, right there. Tomlin did foul out for a second straight game. Of course, they missed Caleb Mills, 
and his ability to guard the perimeter. So probably their best perimeter defender is gone for the season. Uh, it would be nice to see Javon Quinterly start out games quicker. He, for whatever reason, is gets off to slow starts, but he was big for them, especially in overtime. Javon Quinterly ends up playing 36 minutes, 38 seconds of the 45 minutes. He goes for 25 points, adds four assists, only turned the ball over twice at four rebounds. And David Jones doing his thing, 26 points, 11 rebounds. Nicholas Jourdain, other than a couple of free throws down the stretch where he really got tight, 18 points, 12 rebounds, two assists, but he did miss some defensive assignments. This comes from him. Um, so th- this, again, from the horse's mouth. But for whatever reason, it's just it's going to be that way. I, I just don't see all of a sudden the Tigers, a light bulb going on, and they start blowing out teams by 20 or 25. It's, it's not the way it is. It's not in the cards. But they know how to win, and that's the most important thing. Again, moving on to Wichita State will not be easy. It's not the Wichita State team's that we remember from years ago, but it's an improved team from last year. It's a tough place to play. They'll be rowdy. And you just figure playing with fire this much, they're going to get burned. They're going to lose. You just hope it doesn't happen multiple times. You just can't keep going down this same road and, and expecting the same result. The funny thing, and I don't know, I, I, I'm not sure exactly when he started, like signaled for the timeout, all of that stuff. But if Penny didn't call the timeout at end of regulation, I think Quinterly was going to win the game again. Yes, <laughs> like yes. it's like I don't know, and I don't know. Again, he may have been signaling it earlier, but like I don't really know why he called the when they credited in the timeout. It looked bad because Quinterly at that point basically had an open path to the rim. Yeah, I was I, I was saying on the broadcast with John, he had a full head of steam going to the hole, and then we heard the whistle, and I thought for a second they had caught a foul away from the ball, but then I saw Penny. I think they called the timeout. Okay, I guess he he just wants to make sure that and, and when they. Put a play together. They always have multiple plays. Penny told us uh, there'll always be two or three different outlets. But Jaden Hardaway had a tough time throwing the ball in bounds. They finally get it into Jordan, who takes the contested three in the corner. But once Quinterly had that four-point play, made the three, got fouled, right there you felt pretty good that Memphis was going to survive again. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, Raider Corey Texans is another nail-biter that shouldn't have been. My suggestion would be to just play exclusively one-on-one defense. This help stuff, chasing and jumping out at shooters, isn't working. But a win is a win. Tigers are 14-2 and have won nine straight. Five top 25 teams went down last night. Yes. Go Tigers. And to his point, Penny talked about that with Wolo, that they are so concerned with help defense that guys leave their men and they may leave shooters that he says now, and we'll see if he sticks to it, He's going to go mano-a-mano. He's going to go man-to-man defense, and you have to be better than your guy because he's tired of that help defense, losing guys, bad communication, open. I mean, down the stretch, just like it was in the game against SMU, down the stretch when Memphis would get a – Quinterly would get a tough runner, SMU would come down in two seconds and score down at the other end. They were doing that last night as well with UTSA. They would push it down the court, and they would score. There's a lot of teams that like to play with pace, and the Roadrunners certainly did. But to uh, to Corey's point around the league last night, around the conference and around the, uh, the nation, I should say, wow, we had number one and number two losing the other night. And then last night, we had number three, Kansas, losing at UCF. 
65-60. We had number five, Tennessee, and we'll talk to former Tennessee star Dane Bradshaw at 825. They lose at Mississippi State, 77-72. We had 11th-ranked Marquette losing at home to Butler, 69-62. So who knows where Memphis will end up being if number they— Number nine, Oklahoma. Number nine, Oklahoma. Forgot about them. They lost to TCU, 80-71. to Who knows if Memphis beats Wichita State on the road Sunday— if they continue to move up the ranks. Now, there are some voters that will take notice that Memphis has barely survived Tulsa, SMU, and UTSA in overtime. But if teams continue to lose in front of them and they continue to win games, they're going to continue to move up. So maybe not top 10 on Monday, but if they win on Sunday, there's a chance. There's a chance, but they'll continue with the upwards trajectory. Here's the issue. This is weird because they'll continue to move up in the polls and continue to move down in the net. The weird polls, combination. Polls don't matter. Uh, Ron says the Tigers should not be more than a five-point favorite the rest of the year. <laughs> it's it's hard to make them, if you're Vegas, try to, it's hard because you're thinking, you're, all the numbers will tell you one thing and then they play the game. You're like, well, this is like, I mean, if uh, people who had watched the Tigers, certainly I would think would have been like, no, no. 19 and a half points. That was mean, a crazy line. 19 and a half points with a high school team right now. I guess why just, just, they can't beat anybody by, by 20 points, just the way it is. Yeah, Vegas is good at what they do, but they're off on that one. And yeah, I, w- I would, if you're playing Memphis, play them the win, play the money line. Don't play the, uh, the spread, especially if that spread is a large spread. So, other than uh, what we just talked about in college basketball last night in the American Conference, ECU, East Carolina, not a bad team. They went to Philly, beat Temple 73-62. Charlotte, who knocked off Florida Atlantic, beats Tulsa, the team that Memphis beat in the final moments in Tulsa. They won in Charlotte 84-76. And as that game ended, the benches cleared. Did you see that, Eli? I did not. They got into a little melee, and they ran over the uh, official, who was right in the middle of that. So that got a little dicey there at the end, but Charlotte was able to win that game by eight. Uh, Clemson lost again, a team that Memphis beat. One of the Memphis's big wins, 21st-ranked Clemson loses at Virginia Tech, 87-72. to Arkansas loses again. They lose by 10 at Georgia, 76-66. Again, this doesn't help Memphis. But Ole Miss, who beat Memphis, Memphis had a 12-point lead, should have won that game, didn't happen down at the Pavilion. Ole Miss bounces back nicely from their loss to Tennessee. They route Florida, 103-85. Ole Miss Sets a school record, 16 blocks in that game. Yeah, Jamarin Sharp had nine of those, um, I think in just 17 minutes. He came off the bench. They put Cissé into the starting lineup and brought Sharp off the bench. And he blocked nine shots. They had Florida. <laughs> Florida kept trying to go to the rim, and he just kept blocking them. Um, and Brakefield had a big game. Morrell had another big game. They uh, that was yeah, that's those are the games I got it with like that. That Florida's part of that group, kind of in the middle. And you know, we got a texter says, "Do you think Ole Miss will finish with a winning SEC record?" I I they certainly have a chance. Like I think they'll be around five hundred. Pro- and if they can finish a little bit above five hundred in the conference. That probably gets them into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I agree. With the, with the non-conference, even though it wasn't a great non-conference schedule, just the record that they put uh, together in that. Um, certainly, I, you know, they play like they did last night. If they could shoot the ball like they did last night, those types of things, certainly they they have that opportunity. Yeah, I thought it was an impressive win last night. Um, David says that timeout was a joke. Again, I don't. Penny may have been signaling or trying to call the timeout way earlier than when Quinterly 
started his got around the corner to the, to the rim, and right. so may, it may have just been that the official didn't recognize it until that. So it looks, but it's yeah. When watching it, it looks really bad. When you see the guy, you're like, wait, what? What are you calling a timeout now for? Like he's got pretty much a layup. It looks like, and you're calling a timeout to stop that. Well, as a as a play by play announcer that that you are, I'm I'm revved up. Right here comes the play. He's driving to the hole to win the uh, timeout. Yeah, and then you gotta you gotta refocus. All right, when we come back, the Grizzlies in the news, not to be outdone, right? Everybody had a story yesterday, it seemed like. We'll talk about the Grizzlies moves and also Memphis football with a couple of coaching moves as well. As we continue on Sports 56 mornings, right here on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. The Grizzlies made some news yesterday. And I don't think this is a surprise with the way he's played. They didn't have to make the move yesterday. It could have waited a little bit longer, but they decided to ink Vince Williams, and they did. Uh, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, three-year deal worth $7.9 million with an option for the fourth year. That's a team option for the fourth year. But Vince Williams Jr. has been turning heads with his ability to rebound the basketball, play great defense, hit the occasional three. He is now inked for three years, and they also decided to waive for the roster spot Bismack Biombo. So thank you, Biz, for the work. But now he's out of basketball, looking for a job or going to announce a retirement or something like that. But obviously the center position continues to be an issue with Adams out, with Clark out. I would imagine more minutes for the X-Man. Yeah, I would think. Um, more minutes for Jaron at the five, um, which I think is a good thing. And you know, they were there. The report was, and I'm sure they kind of they probably had their, have known or have somebody they, in mind that they would probably use the t- the two way contract that this creates on a center. Um, so I'm sure there's somebody that they have their eye on that they want to get on that two-way contract. So go ahead and do this now. Get that person in here. Somebody that you want to take a look at as far as a big goes. Um, and, all, and, and also the um, the mid-level. I was asking, I think, either to Michael Cole yesterday or Drew Hill on Tuesday about the use of the of the mid-level moving forward. And they said partial part of it was used on Bismack Biombo. So the rest of it now is used on Vince Williams, correct? Do they no longer have a mid-level exception? I thought uh, that's what I read. That I I don't know how that works when you're signing a guy off of a two-way contract. I don't know if that couldn't it's I would be the rest of that mid-level you have to use the exception for that or not cuz he's he was your guy but he wasn't on a regular contract. So I don't Do you that, know that, Zach? That, that, Do you I'm know the answer sure. to that? I thought I thought it's um I read that it, they used the rest of that mid-level exception for Vince Williams. I didn't see anything on that. Okay, if you see it let us know just yeah, to confirm. I, okay. But they they also can get, but well, they have an injury player exception for Steven Adams. They could also get one for Jaw if they wanted to for the rest of this year. But again, that they're the, the they don't have a roster. You know that they have, again create have to create another roster. Right, spot. right. Um, but the two way contract is now free, 
um, after getting Vince onto the regular deal. So they can bring somebody in on one of those to take a look at and see if it's somebody they they may want to. And obviously, they've had some luck with the two-way deals and turned some guys into players you know, with Vince. And great for Vince to get, I think they said it was the most money that any player's ever gotten, most guaranteed money coming off of a two-way contract. So great, good for him. Great for him. Yeah. Um, and we'll see uh, what they what they do now with that, that extra two-way contract. Clippers come in Friday night, Knicks Saturday night. The Warriors game on Monday again is the annual MLK Junior Day game with snow in the forecast. But with uh, the Clippers coming in, there'll be a happy Kawhi Leonard. He reached a deal yesterday with the Clippers. Three years, $153 million contract extension. Good money if you can find it. $50 million plus per season. Yeah, but took the discount to help out the team. Got a discount, fifty plus million that, that's for Kawhi. Like, it's when that is. Hey, he's look at he didn't take what he was what he could have gotten. I'm um, trying to help out the team, sign other guys. Like it's just, I know, it's, isn't it's it? mind boggling. He and Paul George, I think we're both. I think it was four years, two hundred and twenty something like that is what they're eligible for extension wise. I'd it's. Well, we'll see if George gives them back the discount as well. But three years, 153 for Kawhi. Tigers football news. Yesterday, we talked about this on the show. It wasn't official at that point, but the university made it official. Lou Esposito, who played for the Tigers from 97-2001, offensive lineman, was a captain his last two years with the Tigers. He's coming back and will become the Memphis Tigers defensive line coach and co-defensive coordinator. He had been the D.C. at Western Michigan, had been at Western Michigan since 2017. So, Lou Esposito's coming back, but also news yesterday, with a, as busy as it was with all the coaching news, with Nick Saban, of course, this morning, Bill Belichick, and Pete Carroll news, it kind of flew under the radar. But for people around here, I'm sure they're interested to know that Reggie Howard, is returning another former Tiger, played during the D'Angelo Williams years, played with the Carolina Panthers, went to a Super Bowl. Reggie Howard is coming back and will coach the cornerbacks for the University of Memphis, part of Jordan Hankins' defensive unit. So welcome back, Lou Esposito. Welcome back, Reggie Howard. Yeah, getting the uh, former Tigers in the mix. This side of the program brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware Corner, White Station, and Quince. That's where you'll find them. That's where you'll find everything you need to get all those projects around the house done. Also, don't forget about their key fobs. If you need a new uh, key fob for that car, don't the dealerships cost you a whole bunch of money. You could save money going over to the folks. You're going to see the folks over at East Memphis Ace Hardware. They could take care of you and get that new key fob for you and at much, much cheaper price than what you'll get at the dealerships. Of course, the big green egg, all the accessories, everything you need, and a great staff to help you find it. That's where you'll get at East Memphis Ace Hardware, corner of White Station and Quince. Coming up in hour number two, we will open up talking with a member of the Michigan Wolverines, the national champions. He's a local punter kicker from Collierville High School. Hudson Hollenbeck will join us from Ann Arbor. Then Dane Bradshaw at 825 on SEC football and college basketball in general. We'll get back into the big topic, and that's the coaching news. Obviously, you know of Nick Saban, those just turning on the radio and haven't seen uh, Twitter yet or any of the other social media outlets. Bill Belichick expected to be out at New England. Mutual decision between Robert Kraft and the Patriots and Bill Belichick. There'll be a press conference later on today, I think at 12 noon, but Belichick and Saban, the GOATs, 
are now gone from their respective organizations slash programs. Of course, Nick Saban retiring. Belichick, good chance that he will continue to coach. And there are going to be a number of options out there. You're looking for a coach. I would think you would look at the GOAT uh, first and foremost while making that decision. Coming up at 9.05, Parthu Pajai will join us, Memphis Tigers beat writer from the Daily Memphian. We'll talk about the Tigers' struggles, yet the Tigers' wins, again, as they survived last night in overtime against UTSA. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk. Sports 56, 98.5 FM.